What's up, beautiful people? As always, hope everyone has had a fantastic work week and is going to do something fun this weekend with friends or family. Man, I did it. I got that Disney Plus last week when it came out, and it has just been consuming my life. If you're into Star Wars, The Mandalorian, that's the original uh, TV show series that's on there, fantastic. I love it. But, you know, I'm a big Disney Pixar fan as it is, and that's kind of why I actually enjoy living in Florida. Uh, I'm only about an hour and a half away from Disney World, so I am there all the time, which is kind of why I work so much overtime, because that annual Disney Pass is not cheap. But besides all that, today's topic is going to be interesting and it's possibly going to be a little controversial, but it's going to be about why I hate BLS, which if you think about it is kind of funny because I'm an EMT and as we all know, EMTs are trained only in BLS. So it's a little weird that I do this job, but I hate the teaching of it, I guess. But as always, let me know what you think about this topic and every other topic. Uh, You can let me know on Instagram at EMT underscore life underscore podcasts and just shoot me a quick message. Uh, Let me know what you think about the topic. Let me know some of your experiences you've had working, whether that be on an ALS truck or just on a BLS truck. And I love to hear your stories. Uh, it, It only makes me a better EMT And it'll only make you a better EMT. You know, you just bounce information off each other and you pick up uh, different kind of little tips and tricks from everybody. It's all, this job's all about learning and you never stop learning. But we'll do a, a quick message from our sponsor, just like usual, and then we'll get right into today's topic. Before we get into it, let me explain a little bit what BLS is. BLS stands for Basic Life Support, and it is what every EMT is trained in. So I guess really I don't hate BLS. I just think that two EMTs should not ride together on a BLS truck. So what can an EMT do? Well, EMTs can check vital signs like blood pressure, pulse, and respirations. EMTs can check the BGL or blood glucose level. And we can give, if I remember correctly, from school, we can give five medications depending on protocol or doctor's orders. Those five medications are oral glucose, aspirin, nitroglycerin, activated charcoal, and oxygen. Why oxygen is considered a drug, I have no idea, but it is. So those, those are the five drugs an EMT can administer. And like I said, we also check the vital signs. So why do I think BLS is pointless? Well, BLS is pointless because really, what good can two EMTs do as far as patient care goes? Really, they can't do much. Now, am I saying being an EMT is a bad thing? Absolutely not. There are some paramedics that let their EMTs do everything for them, 
And all the paramedic has to do is write the report. But that happens with time and built up trust with your medic. But like I said, there's nothing wrong with being an EMT. And you should be the best and most capable EMT you can be and always further your education because in the EMS job, there is always something new to learn. But in my opinion, there should not be any dedicated BLS trucks on the road. And I'm going to give you a couple instances that I ran into while working on a BLS truck. So one day I was dispatched out for an alpha level fall. Where I work, alpha level is our lowest priority call, which means the patient is not in a life-threatening situation and is in stable condition. So we get on scene and find our patient on the floor, just where you would expect a fall victim to be. The family then states that she was having trouble breathing while laying in bed, So they were going to take her to the hospital themselves, and they were trying to help her to the car when she fell. So, as an EMT, you, they say difficulty breathing. What are you thinking? You're thinking ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation. So, difficulty breathing, airway. Uh, She was laying on the ground. And her chin was towards her chest. So in my mind, I was thinking positional asphyxiation. You know, her chin's to her chest. It's closing off the airway. That's what's causing the difficulty breathing. So we sit her up. uh, And the breathing became easier for her. But also, if you remember from EMT school... What should you also be thinking if the patient is laying in bed and out of nowhere just has trouble breathing? You also have to be thinking of CHF or congestive heart failure. So after we set her up and she's breathing a little better, my suspicion was right. She did have CHF. Now, knowing your signs and symptoms is a very important part as an EMT. You have, to, you have to know your shit just like the paramedic does. So, like I said, turns out our suspicion was correct, and the patient did have CHF. So, when we got her sitting upright, her O2 sat went up from 74% to 88%. Now, 88% is it's still low, but you have to treat the patient, not the numbers. So, with 88%, She was feeling better. She was fine. She wanted to go sit in a chair in her her living room. So we bring her into her living room. She sits in the chair. She doesn't want to go to the hospital. But within 30 seconds of her sitting in the chair, she starts having expiration. uh, When she exhales, she starts having wheezes and audible wheezes, and you can hear them. So... I put her on a nasal cannula at four liters a minute and I called an ALS unit for shortness of breath because without the oxygen, she was working pretty hard to breathe. But like I said, you should always treat your patient by how they look, not by the numbers on the monitor. 
So because she was able to talk, she was alert and oriented, I decided to put a nasal cannula on her instead of a non-rebreather, even though her O2 was at 88%. And in my opinion, I like nasal cannulas so much better than non-rebreathers because I can hear when the patient's talking. You know, it, you get valuable information from the patient if you can hear them talk. So since I'm a BLS unit and I don't carry and I'm not allowed to give breathing treatments, we had to call for uh, the ALS unit or advanced life support. So a truck with a paramedic on it. Now, why did I call for a ALS unit? Because like I said, she was having shortness of breath. She had wheezes. So wheezes indicate uh, bronchial constriction in the lungs. And the family wanted to go to a hospital that was 45 minutes away. Now, we had a closer hospital about six minutes away where if they would have decided to go there in the first place, I would have, I would have made the decision to load her into the ambulance and take her to that hospital. But since they wanted to go farther away, I decided to call an ALS unit. Now, because I've made patient contact, that, that means, you know, I can't just leave. I have to stay on scene with the patient, monitor the patient until the ALS truck arrives so I can transfer care over to the paramedic. Now, if you think about it, and if you want more trucks on the road at one time, that's two trucks off the road instead of just sending an ALS unit in the first place to take care of it. Now, I get it, okay? It, it all depends on, on the caller, you know, the person who calls 911, what they say to the dispatcher, what the dispatcher hears, and then what the dispatcher relays over to us. But I'll give you another example. Another alpha level fall. Dispatchers love to give alpha level falls to BLS trucks. Once on scene, again, find our patient on the floor, but this time we notice something pretty obvious. We notice shortening and external rotation on one of her legs. Now, general rule of thumb, not all the time, but generally, if you have shortening of a leg and external rotation, so uh, the toes are facing away from the body. That's indicative of a hip fracture. And a hip fracture, in all honesty, honesty, really isn't a hip fracture because most of the time you get a fracture on the femoral head, which is the ball part of the femur that goes into the hip joint, and it gives you the ability to rotate your leg. But we notice, you know, we notice the shortening and external, external rotation straight away and call for an ALS unit because we cannot give any pain management medications to that patient before we try to move her. And trust me, if you have not seen someone with a hip fracture yet, even with pain medication, they scream when you move them. So what did... What did I do as an EMT on scene do waiting for the ALS unit? 
Well, I can tell you, I did not touch the patient. I, I did get information from her, you know, obviously, how did it happen? When did it happen? Did you hit your head or anything? Just stuff like that. And I just made her comfortable. You know, I made her, I made her as comfortable as I could be. Now, if, if you would have dispatched an ALS truck in the first place, patient care would have been given so much quicker, level of care would have been higher, and time on scene would have been shorter. And like I said, now you have two trucks on scene instead of just one. So really, my problem is with the level of care that a BLS truck is able to give because we really can't do anything. In my opinion, I am more helpful to a paramedic than I am by myself or with another EMT on a BLS truck. Just like the scenarios that I can remember from EMT school. After you say scene safe BSI, what do you do? you immediately call for an ALS unit. So it's, it's a little frustrating when you work for a company or, or a department that is so short-staffed, uh, so short-staffed with paramedics that they think the answer to that is to staff more BLS trucks and it will help alleviate the pressure off the ALS trucks when in reality, it only creates more pressure because the ALS truck still has to respond out to that call anyway. You know, and definitive care has been delayed because the ALS truck was not dispatched first. You know, so I can, I can tell you that I have taken patients that in all honesty should have been ALS patients. But that's where experience, trust, and confidence in your abilities come in. You have to know the signs and symptoms of the patient and can I get to the hospital faster than the ALS unit can respond to me? Obviously, call your supervisor and notify them of your situation. Let the supervisor make the decision. But a BLS truck is used for two things, in my opinion. To monitor a stable patient or to first respond to a critical patient and basically wait for them to to die so you can start CPR on them. You know, that that's why I think EMT should be on ALS trucks. Because if you as an EMT are working on an ALS truck and you do get a BLS call, well, guess what? Your medic just has to sign a paramedic attestation form and boom, the patient's yours. You can have complete care of that patient and you can you can still do patient care in the back while your medic drives. But that's my opinion uh, on BLS trucks and why I think we shouldn't have them. Like always, you can go to Instagram at EMT underscore life underscore podcasts and let me know what you think about BLS trucks and if you think it's a good idea that we use them or if it's a terrible idea. And remember, you know, Go do something fun with family this weekend, and God bless.